Who do you want to talk about first? Mick Sherman. The Athletic. He can play. And we need people that can play. And we'll never be royal. Sherman, The Athletic, on The Connor Happer Show, on 1620 The Zone. He can play. Oh, what's that? My producer's telling me that the Royals are actually relevant enough for me to ask a question about the Royals to Mitch Sherman of The Athletic, who joins us now on the 42 Degrees Source Hotline. Hello, Mitch. Connor, we are living that fantasy. About <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh man, I I I didn't even know what to do with myself. I think you had the same reaction as me when uh, when you learned that Bobby Wood Jr. had signed a nearly three hundred million dollar guaranteed contract, and it was with the Kansas City Royals. I thought to myself, "Where am I? What am I doing? Is this real?" And um, and it turns out it actually is. We're a couple days later now. I really almost fell over. I should have been sitting down when when that when that news came across my screen. I even watched. I even signed in and watched the press conference <laughs> Did yesterday you? with Bobby just to make sure that it was really happening. <laughs> okay, the, the takeaway is that it was happening, right? It's it's still real. He talked about it, so yeah, <laughs> I, it was actually him. He's gonna be there for the next seven years at least, and then he'll probably you know opt out and you know whatever will happen during that period of time. They've created themselves a a a basically a seven year window to do something with before, you know, they, before their star player turns like 30 years old and ends up playing for the Yankees or something like that. Yeah. That's not, that's not the route that I want to go down today though. But it's a, it's a deadline. It's there's, there's a deadline there. So now we get to dream about the next seven years. It is. It is. Who knows? I mean, if they're in a new, a new stadium at that point and maybe the Royals have come out of a slumber earlier than the normal 30-year clock dictates. Um, we, we could be talking about a totally different circumstance. I mean, they'll still be the Royals in in 2030. But, Theoretically. Uh, yeah, right. But, <laughs> but I mean, seven years of, of Bobby Witt Jr. sounds sounds fantastic. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he's getting married. He's marrying the Royals. I mean, it's just all coming together I know. for Bobby. It makes me very yeah. excited. It makes me very, very excited. Uh, okay, another thing that used to make people excited is National Signing Day, but now it doesn't matter anymore. But there will still be a press conference today with Matt Rule where he'll introduce some of the new members of the 2024 class, and I'm sure we'll get to various other topics like uh, new coaches on the staff and any sort of jumbles and movements that there were. Um, and, and keep in mind that the press conference was supposed to be basically going on right now, but that got moved back for definitely a reason that has to do with the recruit announcing at two thirty. Um, Mitch, what do you what do you think we'll get into today? What are the topics du jour with Matt Rule? It'll probably begin by him with him talking about the names that were added today, and we've seen those come out through the Nebraska football social media channels. Um, Kamir Prescott, the DB from Philadelphia, being the most notable so far, and, and really the only one who hadn't previously been uh, reported. He was expected to commit to Nebraska. But this is a former Wisconsin commit 
So regardless of what the scholarship NIL setup is with him or Keona Wilhite this afternoon, I think people should be excited about the addition of those two names to this class. They're legitimate scholarship-worthy players, Big Ten caliber players who were recruited by schools and, and major conferences around the country. So that's um, – and, and, and the return of, of Matt Rule and his staff to the state of Pennsylvania and to Philadelphia uh, in particular I think is a good sign because they, they hit that area hard in the, in the first weeks on the job over a year ago now, and the Huskers were somewhat absent in, in recruiting that part of the country, or at least Pennsylvania, in this cycle. So at least you stay active there with, with Prescott, and it's, a, it's an area that I know moving into the future they want, they want to, to find talent. Um, so that's a positive, and, and same with getting a player out of Arizona. Um, there should be doors that continue to open in the West for Nebraska with USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten and, and games being played in that part of the country. And, of course, there's a ton of talent there that Nebraska wants to also get into. So th- th- these things today, I-, I think, fall under the category of expanding Nebraska's recruiting influence nationally. And that, that I'm sure, will be topic number one today, but we'll quickly get into questions about Glenn Thomas and, and his addition um, and, and I think how – how this uh, now that we're into February, how this uh, how this month is going with the with the mad drills getting going and um, just the integration of all of these early enrollees, 20 plus early enrollees headlined by the transfers and, and by the quarterback. Well, yeah, I think that's that's another thing. I mean, we, we haven't got the chance to and, and I don't know that they they the transfers that Nebraska got, most of which will be playing you know, a role for them this coming fall, it, what, you know, how significant, you know, in some cases starting, in some cases, you know, playing time. But, you know, they, they were careful with the way that they added transfer players, but they maybe went more under the radar this time around with all the, the you know, the, the, the timing with Dylan Riola joining on the class back in December. This might be a day where we end up talking about those guys and their impact and how they've acclimated and stuff like that. Because it's not, like, it, it's... It's not an insignificant deal that Nebraska, you know, Dante Dowdell is going to be in the running at, at running back, and Jamal right. Banks is going to play for play wide receiver for Nebraska, and Isaiah Nair probably will as well, and Mike Mazuka is going to start in the offensive line probably, and Stephon Thompson's been playing for three years at at Syracuse. Like those those guys are interesting additions to the puzzle, and we haven't really talked much about them yet. Yeah, as you mentioned, they all have chances to be big contributors. You know, in theory, all of them could start. I don't think that'll happen. I mean, as you see, with I went back and looked at the at this time a year ago at the the players who who I projected from the transfer portal to make a difference at Nebraska, and some did and some didn't. I mean, at this time a year ago, we we couldn't we couldn't talk enough about Jeff Sims and Eric Gilbert and. Yeah. You know, the stories there and what happened with those two. But then there were others in that portal class, um, like Ben Scott, who made a huge impact at Nebraska in their first year. And then there were players that Matt Rule and his staff developed who came out of the portal the year before, or at least out of the uh, in, in the newcomer class the year before. Well, they were out of the portal. Um, Omar Brown, he made a big impact at Nebraska. Deshaun Singleton, before he got hurt, he was a JUCO guy who made a big impact at Nebraska. So it's really not just about 
all of the newcomers. I think that there's there should be excitement, um, and this is probably what's more under the radar about the players who've had another year in the program to develop. That 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 more than anything, I, I think will dictate. Well, well, it will play a big role in dictating just how far Nebraska can go and what its what its ceiling is in 2024. Not just the newcomers, but the players who've been in the program and had time to develop and and now can blossom in, in Matt Rule's second year. Hey, you wrote a little bit about Nebraska basketball, too, as they head into a significant road game tonight, and then it sort the schedule sort of loosens up on them. Um, just because you check in every once in a while with them, like your takeaways from, from that team right now and the position that they've put themselves in as it pertains to um, you know a, an NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, I might be checking in more and more often as we get into this final eight game stretch. So after tonight, there's seven left and it's a favorable schedule for Nebraska. So of course you want to win because you've got it. You got to somewhere find a road win. I mean, I think you can still, there's still a path to the NCAA tournament. If you go over the road in the big 10, but that would make for a nervous selection Sunday, just because that's a big talking point that is not in your favor. So why don't they just get it out of the way with tonight? I think yeah. that should be the mentality for Fred Hoiberg and his team. They almost did it on Sunday. This is tough because it's a quick turnaround. You've played two overtime games in the last five days. You know, so has Northwestern. Northwestern played two overtime games last week and lost both of those games, but they were a day earlier, both of them, and they didn't have to travel um, for this game. Uh, Northwestern also is very good at home, much like Nebraska, um, with just the one head-scratching loss to Chicago State. I, I believe. Unbelievable. I believe that's what it, what it is. That's when, correct. Yeah. When I looked at the at the cat schedule yesterday, I, I had to make sure it wasn't a misprint, but they've taken care of business at home in the big 10, like Nebraska. And similarly, uh, Northwestern has wins against Purdue and Illinois at home. So this is going to be tough. And, you know, you have to, if if you're, if you're projecting things, you project this as a loss. So they come home under 500 in the league and 16 and eight overall. And I think that's where just historically Nebraska fans would start to go, Oh no, uh, this is, this, the dark clouds are setting in. And, you know, I I don't think that's what should happen. I I think I look at this team, you know, I wrote this, in the, the piece that came out yesterday, um, I think Nebraska, ha- there's a there's more likely chance that Nebraska wins a game in the NCAA tournament this year th- than that it does not make the dance. Mm. So um, be- be- because of the position that they're in and the schedule that's left, after tonight, it's four home games, three road games, no ranked teams, only one team with an NIT, NET, uh, it's not a Freudian slip there, NET uh, in the, <laughs> in the top 100. So it's there for the taking, you know, keep playing the way that you played. And Fred Hoiberg's teams have shown the ability in recent years to improve down the stretch, play their best basketball in February. If they do that, they're going to be fine. They're going to be sitting on selection Sunday with 21 or 22 wins. And it's not going to be an issue. Hey Mitch, when you think about the big 10 and the sec collaborating on whatever, I mean, it doesn't even have to mean anything. But just the idea of those two getting together and sharing ideas and and thinking about what the future of college athletics might work might look like. What do you? What's the first thing that comes to your head? Like where where does your brain go first? Just that that they're they're preparing to take over. That they're <laughs> when, so there's not a there's no vacuum of of leadership and power when the NCAA crumbles at the at the feet of. America's court system. I, at some point, if the the governing body continues to lose court cases, and I know they they got a, a small victory 
this week in court, but probably not something that's going to be long lasting or, or um, it's just kind of holding off the, the wave. Um, yeah. They're, they, they can't withstand that. The NCAA can't withstand the, the kind of beating that it's taken uh, and just the, to, to the model that it wants to use to run college sports. It can't withstand that forever. So the big 10 and the sec as the chief money makers in the sport in the, two leagues that hold the most power and are consolidating power right now um, in football, at least it's over for Texas and Oklahoma in the, in the big 12. And it's over for the four former PAC 12 or the four PAC 12 schools in the PAC 12. They're, they're essentially on their way to the big 10, you know, it'll be official this summer. Um, and now is as good a time or a better time than any for these two leagues to flex their muscles. And, and, you know, surprisingly in some way um, form an alliance, I don't know that I foresaw that, but it does make some sense because they, they hold the cards in, in college sports. And, and I, there, I think there'll be a time where they can use that to, to their advantage and, and uh, prevent the whole thing from going into kind of lawlessness. And then they'll all stream all their games on the new fun app where you can get all of the, all of the Fox and ESPN games, which will be a lot of fun for everyone. That. Connor, that's a great point that in the same week or the same period of days where the Big Ten and the SEC announce a union of some sort that Fox and ESPN do the same when it comes to um, a streaming package. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe um, you can start to uh, see the future a little bit more clearly. Yeah, it's certainly starting to look that way. All right, Mitch, we'll let you go. Appreciate you taking the time as always. And uh, enjoy the week. Okay, thanks. Good to talk to you. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Good stuff from him as always, and he'll be at the press conference this this afternoon asking hard-hitting questions to Matt Rule and whoever else may show up. You better. While we were talking to Mitch. Yeah, what's going on out there, Connor? um, So we should actually probably start like a Twitter account. Things that happen at 50th and Dodge just – in, invariably throughout our all of our shows throughout uh-huh. the day because we have a constant eye look out you know we we don't we don't have the technology like a camera so we could check in although that would be fun oh yeah like we could pull it up on the stream josh and just hey let's here's what's going on let's check and see what's going on at 50th and dodge if we turn on the camera right now and the car has since moved out of the middle of the road oh it has okay uh, there was a car that was just sitting in the middle of the road sideways on Omaha's busiest street, uh, affecting both directions of traffic. It was sitting there in that direction because it hit an Amazon Prime truck. Oh, now that's not in the picture. Nope, that's it's over there on the side. Okay, pulled off onto uh, 51st Street. Uh, cops came through. They basically just said, "Hey, please move." And get out of the middle of Dodge Street and take care of this. Mm, interesting. And then take. they and then they left. And uh, I think they're trying to figure out what the Amazon driver right now. Your it, photo is now up on sixteen twenty the Zone TV. Oh, good for everyone to see. Yeah, there you go. See that car right there? That silver car going the wrong way. <laughs> it's that's not moving. <laughs> that's parked. The Amazon truck is probably either blocked by this sign or to the left of of this sign. Okay, I should have gone sideways camera not up and down camera i'm an idiot but yeah uh then the amazon truck lost some pieces to it oh 
And now I'm expecting some oh, packages. There today. goes the Amazon driver okay. right across Dodge Street. Good. And good. Uh, he's hopping back in. Looks like he collected some information and might be on his way. But he lo- he lost some pieces of his truck that were in the middle of the road. And those were being run over by people who were not interested in stopping. Who were eastbound on Dodge Street. Well, sure, it's Dodge Street. You don't stop on no, Dodge you, Street. You do not stop. You do not turn left. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200 on Dodge Street. And so it looks like this situation has been rectified generally, but also we were... great advertisement for Spicoli and Meg Mornings <laughs> on Sweet 98.5. Yeah. Great advertisement for our billboard, which works. 85% of it. You ever notice when they go through the rotations on that billboard that when they mention that 1620, the zone exists, it's up there for less than a second. And all I know is the Spicoli and Meg Mornings one is up there for, for at least three seconds. Yeah. I mean... They just go flash, 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 flash. Sweet 98.5! Neil's, flash, flash, Neil's flash. the only one who knows how to work that machine, and he's no longer here. Can, can we commandeer it? Like, where is the computer that I, controls I don't this? know. If we figured that out, I imagine, yes, we could commandeer it, and no one would notice or care. Okay. I'd be interested in that. Potential bits. Yeah. Or baked inside of that sign. But we are missing a couple lights on it. We don't know where to get new ones. No, it's it, it, it's it, way it, too old of a board at this right, point. Right. There's no way they make replacement parts <laughs> for it. They, they would come by and they'd inspect it and they'd be like, hey, um, we're not going to be able to fix your lights, but we can get you a whole new LED board. And we're like, because mm. <laughs> if we take that down, it, it can't be as tall. <laughs> like that's the like new city. Oh, we ordinance. got grandfathered in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember when like, radio yeah. stations had billboards? We're like, yeah, we kind of like the height. Uh, yeah. More than whether or not the sign works. Yeah, so if we lose any more light bulbs on there, we we probably got to Gorbabov it, you know? <laughs> Tear down that sign, Mr. Gorbabov. But now it just gets to see all the, oh, yeah, some front-end damage there on that silver car. Oh, really? It's finally getting out of here now. Looked like It looked like... No contact had been made. Yeah, no, there's there's contact. Okay, okay. Looking at it right now. Hmm. And there goes the Amazon truck, and we're off on our way, and it's like nothing ever happened. Okay, but my packages are still on there? Uh, they're still on that truck. Okay, yep. okay, good. And they appear to be safe. Expecting a couple birthday presents and then something for me. Josh has the odd news when we return on 1620 The Zone.